in uh, Nick Ashburn from thebeatenfavourite.com and also, of course, from the great tip-off. And he's the co-host of the Sydney set, which you can listen to on the SEN app or at 11.70 in Sydney each Saturday morning. Nicholas, good morning to you. Morning, Gareth. Uh, wow, we were just blessed, aren't we? We had grand final weekend last uh, last weekend, AFL and NRL, both thriller finishes, and then uh, good racing right across the weekend. Friday night, Moyers Stakes. Saturday, obviously, the respective states. Sunday, we had a, a good meeting as well. And then again on Monday, we had um, Warwick Farm. So uh, it, the show rolls on, though, and this Saturday was up the Turnbull Stakes, which is a a real pivotal race in terms of Melbourne Cup calculations. We'll speak about that in a moment's time. And, of course, the, speaking of the Melbourne Cup, the winning you're in via the Bar Cummings. Mm. And we've got First Immortal, who's co-trained by Mark Kavanagh. Of course, Cav won the 2009 Melbourne Cup. was shocking. So uh, can he get another one in uh, 14 years later? We'll find out in about 24 hours or so. So let's have a chat about the Turnbull. I was just having a chat about this race with Dean Evans. And then when I threw to the break, I asked our... Our family here on Giddy Up, like, is he just time and hose tomorrow, Romantic Warrior? History tells you that he's got some obstacles to overcome, but he's different gravy to his opposition. And as I mentioned before, what price does he start in a Cox Plate if he wins tomorrow? Because he'll be back to wait for age and uh, his second up record's far better than his first up record, which is quite scary for his opposition if he turns up and and lives up to his his rating and gets the job done? Yeah, I think it's just as simple as if he turns up within one or two lengths of his best, he wins. there's pretty much no way they can beat him, Gareth. He's yeah. got a time form rating of 127. To give that some context, our Group 1 races usually rate in the sort of early to mid-120s uh, on with time form. And um, the real top-line Group 1 winners over the years, sort of getting that high 120s. And then your elites, like Black Caviar and Winks, they crack the 130 mark. So he's right up there with the best in terms of an international rating. The problem for him, and you've probably heard this damning statistic, 18 Hong Kong Gallifers have lined up across 47 races in Australia over the past two or three decades. And only one horse, Cape of Good Hope, back in 2000, <coughs> excuse me, 2005, has been able to win a race. So it hasn't been a happy hunting ground for Hong Kong horses, Australia. This is probably the best one that's been out here. But I doubt very much whether the other horses haven't been good enough to win. It must just be something to do. Maybe it's the fact that the way they're trained over there is very different to how uh, things are out here in Australia. They're trained out of a box. It's tight quarters. There's not as much space to move. And that suits some horses. And you'll know... Over the years, in, in lesser-known races, Gareth, you hear trainers post-race saying, oh, we got him from Hong Kong. And to be honest, he's just thrived out in the yard with open space. And it's so vastly different to the way we train here in Australia that I think horses can either go forwards or backwards depending on what their previous form was. So the $2.25 is value. If you know he's going to turn up at his best, he's probably more like a $1.60 chance. But it's a big, big if. And speaking of the Turnbull... We've had five of the last seven local winners of the, Australia, of the Melbourne Cup have raced in the Turnbull. And most of them, like Gold Trip and Very Elegant, have sort of finished fourth or fifth. So from a local's point of view, the Turnbull's probably been the best guide over the past decade Melbourne Cup. And the only horse to complete that double in that time was Green Moon in 2012 for Lloyd Williams and Robert Hickmont. 
it's going to be a great race. There's so many different questions mm. that need to be answered. And I, I can't, I think it's great for the spring carnival. You get a dead set superstar. He's world-class romantic warrior. Like what price would golden 60 be here? If he turned up here at <clears> Flemington <throat> on a Saturday afternoon. So he's definitely the, he's definitely the horse to beat. I did some, and I was talking to Dean Evans about this. Danny Shum, they tell me is the <clears throat> complete perfectionist. He's a little bit like you that, um, if a horse doesn't eat one little bit, he, he's saying that it's not good enough in a way. And he's had success mm. traveling horses overseas before, um, especially as mm. a foreman to some of the biggest stables in Hong Kong before he went out on his own as a trainer. And this has been a, a plan for a long time to get him here and to have success. So it will be interesting, but from a punting perspective, mm. what are you doing? If you, are you, are you letting this race go because you the, un, the unknown with a, a romantic warrior, or are you thinking that you found some value here in this year's Turnbull Stakes? I think there's a bit of value. Look, he, he reminds me a bit of Nature Strip. Obviously, two totally different horses, but Nature Strip was a horse that if he turned up at his best, he'd just blow his rivals to smithereens. But he did put in an average run from time to time. And so it was always hard betting in races where Nature Strip, or I found it hard anyway, betting in races where Nature Strip was, it was engaged as good as he was. I, I'm a big fan of Francesco Guardi, big Frankie G. Yes. Uh, I think this horse, what he did in the Mooney Valley Cup last spring, that was real top-line stayer material on that occasion. He gave Luna Flair a galloping lesson, and she might be a bit out of form so far this spring, but we know when she's right, she's very, very good. Uh, he's third up here. What he did last time out, there was a lot of hidden merit to that performance when beaten 3.4 lengths by Mr. Brightside and the Maccabi Diva Stakes. He was four weeks between runs, second up at a mile, off, you know, a 10-month break with, um, with just a couple of trials up in Sydney going into this preparation. So he, for mine, is the big improver out of that race. He was only a couple of lengths or less than two lengths off his stablemate, Osipenko. And you'd have to expect him to improve more than Osipenko out of the Maccabi Diva, given their base fitness levels going into, those, into that race. So I think him at around that $20 mark presents some pretty good each-way value in the race. Osipenko... The thing is, it's hard to say whether that six or six fifty this morning on Friday morning, Gareth, is value because yep. the reality is, is Romantic Warrior could start at dollar seventy five, but the pros get a hold of him, he comes right in. If they base it on his international rating, he should be off the map. But if people think that he's not going to turn up at his best, he could get out towards two seventy five, three bucks, and then all of a sudden that market percentage has got to go somewhere else. And I suspect it'll go towards a horse like Osipenko. So yeah. for mine on Friday morning, I'm having an each way play on Frankie G. And I'm going to watch the market late. Yeah, I think I think he'll be he'd be around that quite anyway, Romantic Warrior, because it's a world pool meeting with him competing there at Flemington, and that means there'll be a lot of Asian money involved in the the tote pool anyway. So I think he'll mm. he'll stay around that quote. He might even get a little shorter, Romantic Warrior. What about in the Bart Cummings? You win this race, you're in. Um, has he got a run yet? First Immortal, um, Cardini's scratch. He's the first emergency still. Is he still the first emergency? Okay, I thought yeah. he got in because of Fancy Man coming out, but um, I, I haven't had a proper look. But he, look, if he gets in, he's definitely the one. Uh, he's a really exciting horse, this Gallop. There's only three Australian-bred horses in the Bar Cummings this year. I think there's seven Irish-bred horses, four French-bred horses, three Aussies, three Kiwis, and a Pom lining up in the race. So we've got a nice spread of... Uh, of uh, diversification, if you like, of cultures yes. within the equine front. Uh, but he's he's the one flying the ship for Australia. He's won 
seven of his 13 starts, three from four at Flemington. Sorry, he's got to run, Nicholas. I apologise to interrupt. He has got to run first immortal, so he will start in the Bart Cummings. Yeah, and he's definitely the one. He's got a sticky gate to contend with, though. He's drawn out in barrier 20, and he comes in a couple with those scratching. But 2,500 metres start, I know it's 2,520, but it goes straight into a bend. You've got about 80 or 100 metres, and then you start turning. So that's going to be the trick for Daniel Stackhouse, is where does he get to in the run? But all things being equal, his win last start, don't be perturbed by the fact he's coming out of a benchmark 78. Yes, it's a big leap, but he was a benchmark... uh, Sorry, he was a a listed winner during the winter over this track and trip. And he carried 63 kilos last time out. Now, for those that like their weights and measures, most people, Gareth, will say, once you get to 2,000 metres and beyond, one kilo is worth one length. So if you're dropping nine kilos on weights and measures, some people will, will say his performance can improve nine lengths. Obviously, he has to improve his stack coming out of the benchmark 78, but I think he's definitely the one to beat. Other horses just to watch out for in that race. At the Baskin for John O'Shea was gilded ahead of this preparation. John's been pretty vocal this week about how much better this horse is since he's been gilded and since he's found dry tracks. And he should get that again at uh, headquarters tomorrow. And then Serpentine, there was a bit of bit of money for this horse, I think, uh, two starts ago when he resumed in the Tats Cup at Sydney. He was second to At the Baskin on that occasion. It was maybe a little bit disappointing last time out over this track and distance, but he might be one that can bounce back for Gay and Adrian in those famous Lloyd Williams colours. So I'm very much with uh, First Immortal. I'm so excited. I really hope he can win on Saturday, Gareth, because I think it's a real boost for the Aussie staying ranks, and it'll be great to go there on the first Tuesday of November with a real life hope that was bred right here in Australia. Yeah, I love him, the son of Churchill. I I agree with you. I think it it will do wonders for the VRC and the Melbourne Cup with the narrative leading into our great race of First Immortal can win the Bart Cummings. Are you taking a dollar? What price are we getting now for Lady Grace or Princess Grace, I should say? $1.55 there no, in the Rose of Kingston? I can't take it. Look, I, I, he, she's obviously got the right form line. She's, she's run into Mr. Brightside in two of her three runs, this preparation. She's raced a group one weight for age level at all three runs. And so she's got the right form line. But good mounting yard judges have told me that she's been pretty tuned up right through this preparation. And so I'm not sure if there's a real lot of improvement to come from her. Whereas I think some of these other horses, a horse like Life Lessons was similar to Frankie G. She was four weeks between runs going into her last start effort. She was beaten a length by Amelia's Jewel. Well, Amelia's Jewel is shorter than um, Mr. Brightside in Cox Plate Market. So there can't be that big a difference between those two form references. And I'm getting sort of 9 or $10 or 8 or $9 about Life Lessons. I'll take her with the 55 yes. over the 57 for Princess Grace. The other one in that race that I think is the forgotten horse, Gareth, is Star Tontes. She's been a little bit out of mm. form, but I reckon there's maybe been some excuses for that. First up, she didn't handle going down the straight in the Bobby Lewis. That was against the boys. She's second up here. She's a two-time winner, second up from the spell. She's a group one winner over the 1,400 metres. And if she can get somewhere near back to her best with Mickey D in the saddle, who's riding exceptionally well over the past six or nine months, and she looks like a great price at around the 20 to 1 mark. All right, then. So I like the confidence there with the Robbie Heathcote train mare, Startantes. What about at Rose Hill? You're going to the Alan Brown as a race that you want to concentrate on. Cepheus is $6 for many done with Bet365. But then we get to the Waller Runners, Waterford at four eighty, and Alentia at $9. Uh, your thoughts there? Yeah, look, I, I, it's, a, it's a really good race, this one. A, a cracking event. 
I'm with Detonator Jack here. Yeah. Uh, he was super when he resumed in the Regal Roller um, over 1,200 metres. You've got to remember, this is a horse that went around in a SA Derby earlier in his career, over 2,500 metres. Uh, and here he is showing up in a, in a listed race 12, over 1,200 metres. So he's extremely versatile. Four weeks between runs, was wide no cover over 1,400 metres in the Sofitel last time out, was only beaten half a length by Colino. Uh, and Tino's come out of that race and won last Sunday, beating here to shock at Sandown in a good race. And he's the second favourite for the Turak handicap behind the star, Emilius Jules. So he's got the right form lines. He draws barrier one. Now he's a horse with not a lot of gate speeder, but I just wonder if from barrier one, he can posse up a bit closer in the run now. Uh, maybe it was just a barrier that he needed to draw. Jason Collard in the saddle, he strikes at 20% when he tees up with the Ma Eustace camp with good profitability. I think he'll suit the horse who likes to sort of slingshot into the race. And I expect him to peak here third up from the spell. And he's got a terrific third up record. He's unbeaten when he gets to this stage of his preparation. And last prep, he beat pounding by half a length over 1,600 metres when third up. And that looks like a pretty good form reference for a race of this nature. So each way at around the $8 mark, get Nader Jack. All right, then. And the new Melbourne Cup Week package through the beatenfavourite.com. Tell us about that, Nick. Yeah, it's, look, I'm really excited about this. It's going to be up on the website. I'm meeting with the web designer in about an hour and a half. It's 100 You pay $100. Uh, we give you the full staking plan for all four days of the Melbourne Cup Week. You've got to register. We're only going to keep the numbers limited because we don't want the price prices to go. Uh, you pay $100 for the week, so it's $25 a day. If you don't return, if we don't return you a profit for the week, you get your $100 back full refund. So oh, that'll that? be out by the back end of today. We're super confident each and every year as we are with so much data available by the time you get to the Melbourne Cup week that we can deliver our audience a profit so much so that we're going to offer a full refund if we don't. So, so when's it going on sale then? I better get in. <laughs> it'll be up there this afternoon. So uh, look, it'll be tweeted out at the beaten fave on Twitter. We'll let you know when it's out there and, uh, yeah, jump on board. It uh, should be a lot of fun, Cup Week. And the Sydney sets flying with Mickey Gaddon tomorrow morning from 7 o'clock previewing Hill Stakes Day. Looking forward to that, mate. So um, we'll hear your voice tomorrow morning. Yeah, definitely. We've got Timmy Clark on the show tomorrow, so he'll go through his rides at Rose Hill. Hopefully he can uh, steer us into a couple of winners. He's a good man, Timmy Clark. So good on you, mate. Thanks for that. Thanks, G.